you know, it's just uh, I wish all the three hours of content we just did was live and recorded. But and right. we're live. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, yeah, so, so yeah. today I guess we're just going to focus on what? Decentralization and sensor resistance between yes. and Bitcoin. Yes. Yeah, somebody posted an interesting question on Reddit. And it's definitely, I think we've talked about this before. Just what... Which currency is really the most decentralized currency right now? Is it, I mean, everybody defaults to Bitcoin, but is that really the case? Is that really currently the most decentralized currency, um, crypto? And then when you start to assess that, you realize there's a lot of elements to decentralization. I mean, there's decentralization of mining, right? right, Of the nodes, of development. Yeah, governance. I think, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think while we talk about decentralization, I, I think the key thing to, to really come back to is why that's important in the first place. You know, so so let's go through all the elements of what makes Monero or Bitcoin more decentralized than the other, what aspects, and also how it relates to, you know, sensor resistance, which is really the primary property. Like that's the driving force why we want things decentralized, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was kind of the response I posted on Reddit, but nobody liked it. <laughs> yeah, basically, I, I mean, that's the way I see it, right? Because decentralization is really a means to an end. It's a way of achieving what we want to achieve, which is sound money that's censorship resistant. Oh, if you could do that, what's that? I'm not logged into Reddit. I was going to go find your post. Oh, wait, why did it say stop broadcast? Oh, no, no. Okay, we're still good. Never mind. Um, so it's not really a I mean, obviously, decentralization is really the only way that we know of that you could possibly achieve that goal of having uh, a digital currency that's censorship resistant. Right. Right. You need to make it decentralized. Otherwise, somebody, you know, uh, the government can just knock down, knock on your door and say, you know, stop uh, processing payments or whatever other things can be done. So decentralization is really just a means to an end of censorship resistance, right? I totally agree. Yeah, and I think we need to focus on that as we go through all the elements of decentralization. So, I mean, what do you want to start with first on Bitcoin, between Bitcoin and Monero? I mean, right now I'm looking at the mining. So let's start with that. Okay. Um, You know, before... Yeah, that's like the most obvious thing I think oh, yeah. people think of when they think of decentralization and crypto, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny. It's like that's only one major component of several major components, you know? Right. Like I, I don't really care how decentralized Ethereum's hash rate is when Vitalik can literally destroy the entire community overnight, you know? Exactly. So, right, they could have crazy hash power, but it's really... Yeah, when one, it all follows. One guy steering the ship. Exactly. Right. So, um, you know, looking at Bitcoin's hash rate, uh, am I still screen shared? Yeah, I see it. Okay, cool. So, I mean, this it's kind of funny how this is what Monero's hash rate looked like when Bitmain was mining with ASICs. And we just had that huge unknown mining section taking up, you know, like half the pie. Uh, you know, now, so now we're seeing it here, like Bitcoin, BTC.com. I, I got to look at it, but I'm, are you, do you know if BTC.com is Bitmain? I know Antpool is. Um, I don't know. Also. I know, I know via BTC, 
is very is a subsidiary, I think, of Roger Ver's uh, collaboration with Bitmain because of the way they were acting when we had 2x last year and via BTC went ahead and launched that letter saying, you know, we're going to hard fork and wreak havoc on, on the community. When right. we were first trying to break 3K and that tanked us to 1900. Um, they yeah, they that letter days. with Bitmain. Yeah. And then after watching them, you know, basically be the solo backing of, you know, Bcash when it first forked, uh, I, I think it's safe to say via BTC is team there, Bitmain. So looking at this chart, it's like they almost have half the hash rate. If you add Bitcoin.com, you know, you, you're pretty close. Right which is kind of scary. I mean, luckily, you know, F2 pool, that's all China. Slush pool is the only. And it's fair to say those are all like ASIC miners, right? Yes. I mean, obviously. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, they're all ASICs. And then looking at Monero, I mean, I don't know. Well, well, even with that, so going even deeper, I mean, you look at that chart, those are all different mining farms or pools, right? Right, right. and those pools are controlled by you know one or two people right yep each but then the 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 asic chips themselves are produced by like a handful of people so it becomes even less decentralized at that level right right on the manufacturer level on the manufacturer level and i mean isn't that an issue as well i mean because you don't really know what's happening with that with that hardware if it's yeah, I all think- you guys making I think that that ends up bubbling up, though, from the manufacturer level to the actual competition level. And I think that's why we see Bitmain having such a gigantic portion because they manufacture you right. know, their transistors and chips. And so, I mean, I, I think that would bubble up anyway. Um, right. I think you have I mean, you have that issue to a degree in, you know, GPU mining as well. Like right. Because AMD and that's it. Right. It's really that's the. Yeah, there's really only two companies producing those anyway. Yeah, I think the only the major benefit in GPU mining is one, NVIDIA and AMD, as far as we know, don't have a large mining operation. So they're not, you know, it's not like or else they would just supply to themselves and, and raise rates on everyone else. Um, and they would have a massive edge in GPU mining. But, you know, they haven't done that yet, as far as I know. So so that's a plus. And then also GPUs have been distributed for the last, you know, 20 years worldwide, you know, so everybody, everybody running a desktop has a GPU, every gamer has a huge one, you know, right. and so that, that really helps. It's, it's not like everyone has an ASIC miner, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Computers are already distributed. Exactly. So, yeah, but that's an interesting point. I, I never really thought on the manufacturer level, but that's what, mm-hmm. that's clearly what helping Bitman. Yeah, Exactly. And slush pool, I have to look, but slush pool does something different with their miners. Um, they they mine. I think there's like a way to vote in slush pool. I think you can actually. I, I don't know if you choose your own software to run, kind of like the blue map is suggesting they change the mining software so everyone runs their own, you know, their own rules on their own miner, and then mm-hmm. channels the hash to the pool. This way, you know, one person can't control the entire pool. Um, right. School does something interesting. I gotta, I gotta look at what made them them special because I looked at that when I was thinking about getting into mining. And we brought up that chart yesterday that showed Moneros, right? Yeah, you know, uh, you had that. Of, yeah, and how it changed since they changed the proof of work. Um, um, is yeah, that well, Monero? Uh, this is yeah, this is today's 
hash rate distribution, and you could see it's way more even. Right. I, th I think bef the before chart, it was like a 90% slice was unknown. Yeah. Which yeah. was basically the ASICs. Exactly. And now, you know, that 31% probably represents like, you know, botnet mining and, and all other kinds of craziness. Right. That's another thing, too. Uh, like, what do you think about that in terms of how Monero is decentralized? Like, uh, you got these botnets. You know, um, it's cool that that's even more abstract than the, the what we were talking about for with manufacturers mining, because now you're getting into people are mining and they don't even know they're mining because of these botnets on their computer. Um, but it, you still, while it's decentralized spread right over many browsers, over many users, um, it's still controlled by one operator. You know, it's basically its own little pool. Right. So it's one, it's one big computer that's exactly. controlled by one guy, even though it's running on a lot of different people's computers. Right. And so that really doesn't cater too much towards decentralization. It's just Right. But I think but you have the competition of different people with different botnets. Uh, there's right. definitely like an economy out there, of people competing. Right. And, uh, you know, overall, it's a net good. You know, it's bolstering security against, you know, attacks on the network. So, yeah, what I thought was interesting, too, is that it's actually having an effect, um, you know, on the economy of like, you know, DDoSing mm -hmm. when basically the, these companies get kind of hired to go DDoS. I know that was kind of popular in China. So, but instead it's become, they rather shift that computing power of, of the botnets rather than DDoSing and getting paid to DDoS, they rather mine the narrow with it. That's so it's kind of interesting because it's cleaning up that, that yeah. underground world of DDoSing a little bit because it becomes more economically viable for them to just mine Monero with it. I mean, that's that's literally, you know, Bitcoin uh, and cryptocurrency incentivization at its finest. Right. Because everybody's kind of looking at it as like a negative thing. Like you got these botnets that are like burning people's computer, you know, using their yeah, yeah, virus computing power. power. Get them on your computer. Uh, it's great for Monero, though. <laughs> you know? Right. No, but the flip side, too, it's like less there's less DDoSing now happening because people are pointing those botnets towards Monero money. Yeah. It's an interesting thing, too. Yeah, that's interesting. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I know you're all Monero, but when you're looking at the charts, it's what what's you see the it's more decentralized the Monero network as far as hash rate distribution. But, you know, you're also looking at Bitcoin having much more security because of ASICs and the higher hash power. Um, you know, what do you value more? High security or decentralized and distributed hash well yeah i mean this goes back to what we were saying initially which is i see decentralization as a means to an end and the end being censorship resistance mm -hmm. and sound money so i see like as long as you're decentralized enough and your hashing power is high enough to create that security against a 51 percent attack at that point, why do you need more security? Like, like Bitcoin is over securitized. Like, you don't need. There's no, there's no amount of computing power that could overcome uh, the compute the hashing power of all the Bitcoin miners right now, right? Like, it's an absurd amount, right? I imagine 
I don't know what they, how, what's going to happen if things are going to level off or how that whole economy is going to work out. But I mean, I don't think anybody would say Bitcoin needs more secured, right? Um, absolutely not. I mean, if you're looking at this right now, like look in the past year, we're currently at, we're like, we're making new all time highs every month in hash rate. It looks like, like the highest point was what's to this date, June, geez, June 24th was the all time high in hash rate for Bitcoin. Right. I mean, it's just the competition has skyrocketed and, you know, going off on a tangent a little bit. With this skyrocketing in hash power and the decreasing in the price, do you think that's better or worse overall for the economy in Bitcoin? The fact that hash the fact power that the price is, is dropping, but the competition is skyrocketing. Um, well, I think what's happening is smaller miners are definitely getting it's leading to centralization. Among miners, it's got to yeah, be yeah, well, we've because seen the only the only people that could afford to continue to mine are the ones that are mining for the cheapest, right? So the ones right. that have the most efficient operation. It's like like we were talking about yesterday. It's like the way any other monopoly forms. So whoever has the advantage, whether the company that's currently in the lead, whether it's a hardware advantage or cheaper electricity, or they yeah, figured out some new technology with their mining farm. You know, like, so whoever is in the lead and can, could afford to continue to mine as the price drops is going to be the one that continues to mine and everybody else is just going to start to turn off their miners, right? Yeah, I mean, if you look at my screen share right now, like, look at the geographic distribution of, of hash rate on Bitcoin. China has 81%, oh, wow. you know, and then you have Czech Republic at 10 and then the rest is just not even close. I'm, I'm that's gonna, like current yeah that that seems this this came out when yeah june 30th 2018 wow that's incredible i mean it's just china's electric is so cheap you'd think like uh i know it's illegal in venezuela but what about um trinidad you know at Tobago? Right. that's like cheapest electricity in the world they must run a really tight ship yeah so i mean i think you know bitcoin is just tending towards more centralization right now and that's his current track i mean i don't know if that's going to change like we yeah, said if, if they figure out that. what's up i don't know what would change that though at this point you know well like do a proof of work algo change right there's that i mean like people t like we we're talking about yesterday and like you know fluffy pony had even said it like if you know once asics become as common as like a usb stick you know and like they're giving away a, a swag at a party, that's when, you know, Bitcoin will start to become decentralized again in terms of mining. And that's just a matter of time to that. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, like, again, like imagine like it, it, to me, that would be more like the GPU race now where, OK, you could try to mine Monero on your GPU on your computer um, unless you're a nut job gamer like me running, you know, six cards in SLI or something. You know, you're not going to stand a chance, really, um, unless you mine some, you know, really, you know, sh new shit coin that that nobody's mining. Um, right. You know, so, I mean, at that point, people are giving ASICs out of swag. They're going to be, uh, you know, bottom of the line stuff like nobody's giving GPUs out as swag where it's, you know, actually going to compete. Like no one's going to give out a seven hundred dollar graphic card. You know what I mean? Like, as right, a right. so I don't know if we'd ever get there.
And then companies like Bitmain obviously have such a huge edge when you have the one of the few manufacturers in the game competing to mine. To me, that's like NVIDIA or AMD saying, you know what, we're going to start mining Monero. You know, like who would want it? Would you buy graphic cards from NVIDIA at that point? Like who knows if they start mining with them before they ship to you even, you know, like that might be a little paranoid. Well, they might be doing that now, right? Like, yeah, you really don't know, but I feel like their presence would be known if they shifted in because, you know, they're massive resources. I mean, it's just a matter of time until they start mining Monero, right? I mean, it's just pure economics and less... Yeah, I mean, the only... Why would it make sense? It's just like the reason why they sell, you know, cartridges to gamers. I mean, they don't care who they're selling. Bottom line, sure. But at what point then? So like, say that's, you know, and this is going off a little bit, but if they start doing that, if they start mining, proof of work changes are not going to fight NVIDIA or AMD off. Like everybody is using graphic cards that Mm -hmm. are coming from them. So you switch the proof of work graphics cards. They adapt to that. It's not, you know, like an ASIC where it's just specialized that one algorithm. And then, so the argument becomes um, that makes Bitcoin more decentralized. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, no. Cause, cause if you, you you can't change the proof of work algo of Bitcoin and watch people still manufacture ASICs there, you know, you're basically telling them stop doing that because you're going to lose money. Um, you know, like what if they switch the proof of work algo every three months? You can't even design and build ASICs fast enough. I think someone figured out Bitmain takes about four months to get up and running in a large way with with ASICs. Mm-hmm. So so say you switch every three months, so ASICs are out. But now we're defaulting back to GPUs, which that's AMD and, and NVIDIA, no matter how you slice it. Right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, maybe it's it's there's decentralization to an extent that AMD and NVIDIA don't jump in, <laughs> you know? Right, but then we also said, you know, like all these other computers already exist out in the in the real world that are already out there and not controlled by AMD and NVIDIA. Sure, you know, and like you need, like at the point they jump in, I think you'd see really, you know, adoption would be pretty high. Um, I don't think they would control the whole network, obviously, but I, I think it would be probably like a Bitmain scenario now where mm-hmm. they would have, you know, a third of the network, a fourth, maybe, you know, maybe half the network almost. Yeah, I mean, there's there's already a lot of computing power out there. I mean, just think of it like don't companies you know, as well, right? Like the you know Googles yeah. of the world and the Amazons. And, and well, also you have uh, Intel makes CPUs and I, I forgot, you know, CPUs are almost as good as GPUs, you know, with Monero. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get a really high-end CPU uh, that actually mines pretty efficiently. So then you'd have Intel, you'd have a few very large companies, which I'd rather see than just Bitmain, you know? Right. Uh, so in that regard, it's better. But so then going back to the question, because so, you had said security. Yeah, like I don't see the security being that, not that it's not important, but I think it's important as long as you reach that threshold of where your coin isn't subject to a 51% attack. And right. Monero's hash rate is obviously a lot lower than a Bitcoin. But there's really no one that could easily turn their computing power, like that are mining other things, right? Right, right. That can easily now 
switch to this algo and start mining Monero and 51% attack it overnight because Monero is running on its own. Right. Like, and that was one of the biggest risks. You know, like Litecoin. With what? With Litecoin. You know, when, when they were on this, they're on, I don't know if they still are on the same algo. But, you know, F2 pool, I was like, you know, people were asking about scenarios with when SegWit was being adopted. And and that's when we shifted into Litecoin for a little bit because it was making progress where Bitcoin was stalling for a while. Um, you know, but then people could have just swapped over to the Litecoin, you know, net, network and destroyed it. Right. You know, well, and, and recently we've seen these 51 percent attacks, right? Right. Yeah. On Verge. That was wild. And uh, there was another coin. Um, what was it? It started with an M. Uh, yeah, I don't remember which ones. But how? So were those from ASIC Bitcoin ASIC miners or no? Uh, no, just... one Verge was an exploit in the mining algo itself because right. um, they thought it'd be cool to have like four or five different mining algorithms, um, you know, rotate in and out every block that's found. It then goes to the next algo or something stupid like that. And so one guy found that the difficulty is adjusted by algo, not by overall hash rate to the network. And so they started mining with the one algo, um, you know, very slowly. Uh, so the hash rate would drop and then they'd mine the others as normal. So no one caught on because blocks were still relatively coming in at the same time. And then they boosted the crap out of the, you know, mining rate on the one algo after the block, uh, after that window, I guess. Maybe it's like Bitcoin on Verge where it's like, you know, every 2016 blocks or something like that, it'll adjust the difficulty. And they just murdered um, the one, the one algo on Verge. And they mined like, what was it, like $20 million worth of Verge before anyone caught it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, ridiculous. But is, then it just kind of stalled out. You're not really seeing these 51%. Like everybody thought like everything was going to be 51% attacked at that point. Uh, yeah. You know, I think people underestimated how hard it is to actually 51% attack a network. Like right. you know, Charlie Lee came out with like how you what the cost would be to 51 attack each network for an hour. Right. Um, you know, and like it was getting a little crazy. Um, and I, I, I really, as far as the incentivization to do that like you like i don't see why bitmain would ever try to kill bitcoin until maybe the lending market grows to a point where they could short bitcoin so heavily um that it would make sense for them to destroy the entire movement <laughs> you know and that but the thing is like we saw remember a couple of years ago <clears throat> uh when there are pools that breached the 51% mark on Bitcoin. Right. And, and they, there was, there was a scares that, you know, there was going to be a 51% attack and it just never happened. And then there's also like on, you know, I don't think it would go down like verge, right? I mean, if you had a pool that, uh, you know, or a group that obtained 51% of the hashing power and they, and they did an attack, it's not like it destroys the entire ecosystem. It just lets them do like a, a double, you know, a double spend, right? I mean, right? Well, well, so, I mean, once you have a 51%, once you have 51% of the network, um, you know, and you're pushing your own blocks, this, this kind of goes back to the whole cash argument. Um, you know, just because you have 51% of the network doesn't mean you can control the network. It's still probability. Like other people might outpace you and find a block in a second while you're still trying to, you know, chug along and find the next block. Right. Uh, you know, so there's, there's that issue with it. 
Um, but I think going back to your point of, of a few years ago, um, the pools took it upon themselves to split and, you know, not fracture Bitcoin. Right. I, I think that was before there was a lending market. And I think that's that to me is pretty scary now. Right. You know, I mean, you like, said it would be more of an issue today. Yeah, I, th I think I think maybe not like even today, it's still I don't think the lending market is big enough. Like the volume in futures is not high enough. Like Bitmain has a what is it like? It's a it's almost like worth 12 billion, I think I saw or something insane. So, you know, until they could they could find a way to short Bitcoin to, to make up 20 billion dollars liquid. Like I think we'd have to have like the volume of the gold markets. Um, and then at that point, maybe they'd say, you know what? The incentive model doesn't doesn't align with us anymore. Let's murder Bitcoin. We can do it. We'll, we'll end up ruining everything we have here, but we'll make 30 billion dollars in a day. Right. You know? And that's if they still control enough hash rate to do that. Um, by that point, who knows? There are like there's a company in Japan. Well, you're saying assuming the market would crash if there was a 51 percent attack. Um, well, yeah, I think I think if if you want to short Bitcoin and do a massive fifty one percent attack um, and destroy consensus, um, well, basically they would be representing consensus, um, you know, and you'd have like your nodes would be calling it invalid. They would be trying to further the chain. Like right. it, it, it would get pretty wild. Um, right. People would say Bitcoin's broken. You know, they wouldn't really understand. Yeah, yeah, and they would be able to fund yeah, that one. And, and it would be a couple. It would be like you know a week long scare maybe. Um, but Bitmain would do, you know, it would profit big time. Right. And then it would take a while to restore faith, and people would have to start understanding how mining worked. Right. So I think so that that just shows me that the security. Not that it's not. It's obviously important, but you could have all the security in the world. Right, but it, it's literally like you're picture a security force but that's controlled by one person so right. if they align with you to protect you that's great but if they turn on you you're absolutely dead right and then even if you're you're super decentralized and you have all this and you have all this security and this hashing power if you're not fungible like monero is then what's the point right because that's that's another way to censor well True. I think we I think we saw Bitmain doing that when, you know, everybody was noticing Bitmain was clearing when the mempool filled up last year and it was chaos and you were watching, you know, Ant Pool mine empty blocks and then it started mining one Satoshi per byte blocks, uh, you know, and it was like, what are they doing there? Like that was totally against the incentive model of Bitcoin to take, you know, to make as much per block. Um, and it was almost like they were siding with like whoever was spamming the network to just let the fees skyrocket as high as possible and not clear the top fees. And so the fee estimators were like, well, you want next block? You got to go higher than what we see now. And, it, you know, it went nuts. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a form of censorship. Yeah, is that's what you're a saying. form of censorship. Sure. They're right. Targeting transactions. Right. But I'm saying the other form with that, like ignoring hashing power and mining, if you can mark a coin as a, you know, as a, a blacklisted coin. Oh, right. You're right. Now it's censored. And yeah. it has nothing to do with the security of the network and the amount of miners they are and how decentralized it is. You can have all the decentralization, you know, of, 
a highly decentralized, secure network. Sure. Assuming Bitcoin is that. I don't know how decentralized it actually is, but it's definitely super secure, it seems like, in terms of the hashing yeah, power. Never but, you can, spend, but... but you can still censor transactions because uh, Coinbase could could mark a bunch of coins right, and say, hey, right. Confiscation of coins. Right. So that's what, like so that's like really the goal is censorship resistance. Decentralization is one one thing you need to do right. But even if you're doing that right and you're doing the security part right, if it's not fungible, then what are you doing all of that other stuff for? Right. And, you know, anonymity was one of the points I was going to get to. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I mean, a lot of exchanges have that six hop rule where if you end up with tainted bitcoins they've been following um, and you send it to their exchange in, and it, you're like the third hop in transactions um, and you have no idea of this and you just say hey i just bought some bitcoin somewhere and now i'm sending it to coinbase to cash out they'll just confiscate them if they're you know tainted yeah uh which i i am blown away that that's legal but it is what it is yeah so, no. so, all right let's let's move on from mining um development your developer community that, i mean i think bitcoin I, obviously has a big edge on Sure. I don't think anybody can argue with that. I yeah. mean, how many, how many people are working on Lightning Network alone? Oh, right? yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Layer 2, I, I didn't even... Yeah, even, even thinking along those lines. Because you have, yeah, you have decentralization of like the actual core developer. You know, a lot of people are working on the core protocol. Then you have the, the, the amount of developers that are working on projects that have to deal with the currency itself that are building apps, right? So like, even Monero, I mean, how many different how many different wallets do we have? You know, we have right. like one one Android wallet and one iOS wallet. Um, I guess we have like a, one or two. We got Cake Wallet. That's all we need. We got Cake Wallet. Shout out to Vic, still killing it. Vic, we'll get him on here. Oh yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, I think I think developers obviously Bitcoin has the win. It's got a larger base. Um, they even have several node implementations. You know, you have the Satoshi client, the core client, uh, you know, whereas Monero, we have, um, what do they call it now? Was it lithium? Uh, helium. Helium Hydra. Right. So, uh, you know, um, I think I think that'll go in the Bitcoin win column. Um, let's see. User base. Uh, you know, that's a cool topic because obviously Bitcoin has the larger community. But I think it's very easy to argue Monero has the more informed community. Mm -hmm. um, I think education in just blockchain in general is way higher in Monero because it's a much higher barrier of entry. Right. Well, here's the thing, though, too. Like all the, the these Bitcoin and Monero, all these cryptos, none of them are finished yet. Right. They're still being built. Like granted, people are already trying to use them as money. Uh, not really, though. They're just right. Like they sat value and speculate, yeah. but they're still like you know you're still building Litecoin. Like it's it's not really a finished product yet. They're still oh, building no. all these things. There's still a lot of and, friction on the network. Right. So, but that that becomes a factor too. So it's not that's not really about that. You almost want less decentralization in terms of the community and uh 
the way the community is thinking about things, right? You want kind of a more centralized team in terms of, so somebody, when they say, hey, let's go this direction, everybody well, can pivot and go that direction because you're governance, right? I'm talking about exactly, yeah, I guess I'm getting into governance. So, yeah, um, I think you know, the advantage, yeah, the advantage, it's, it's advantageous in the early stages of a coin to be able to pivot just like Monero can fork every six months. Bitcoin can't do that. And I think it, you know, it's, it's almost an, it's an advantage for Monero at this point because it allows it to continue to build the infrastructure it needs and tweak things the way they're going to need to be for it to be uh, a global reserve currency. Um, because you're going to reach a point where you won't be able to make those tweaks anymore. Yeah, I do think, and you know, and that stems back to the user base being so educated. Everybody in Monero is in it for one reason. You know, they believe it's how Bitcoin should be. It's fungible. It's anonymous. And they don't, everyone doesn't buy it just because it's anonymous. I mean, everybody buys it because they understand what it is. Right. You know, and what cryptocurrencies should be. And that right. it's closer to a sensor resistor system, you know, peer to peer cash than Bitcoin is at this point. Might well, you know what? Actually, that's unfair to say because Monero transactions um, can be more expensive than Bitcoin because of you know Ring CT and the data size and all of that. But um, you know, back to governance, uh, because we can hard fork every six months. We're adding bulletproofs uh, next release, which I guess will be October. And that will decrease the friction in the network by 80% since that's going to be such a huge data saver. Mm -hmm. Right. And when we saw the, the whole, you know, trying to adopt SegWit and then Bitcoin Cash and everybody, yeah, I, the, 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 the Bitcoin maximalists, the spin they put on it was, well, all this debate is a great thing because right. it's proving how decentralized right. the network is because we can't agree on anything. And just like, just like it'd be hard to change the constitution of the United States, right? Like it's not easy to, to add an amendment to the constitution because you, you literally need like a referendum right. from and the that, entire country. That argument is valid and it's a great one if Bitcoin was already where it needed to be and these were minor tweaks. Exactly. But when exactly. you have something yeah. so integral that needs to happen or Bitcoin can never be cash, you know, like like SegWit was absolutely necessary to not fracture the community. And then it ended up fracturing the community because people just wanted big blocks. Um, I think I think it was funny how it all came out. And you have people like Vitalik, you know, defending Bcashers because they're in the same boat where they massive blockchain bloat and bandwidth problems uh but i thought it was funny that you have uh you know them all coming out saying you know we want big blocks segwit delivers that and uh without hard forking i never understood why they were so against it they wanted big blocks right away and they could have had it if they just adopted segwit uh but everything fell apart everything fractured. We had to go to Litecoin for a while. I think if Bitcoin had cheap transactions and didn't have those scaling issues, and maybe it was just a matter of whether we add fungibility, like, like 
to the extent Monero has it. Um, maybe that would have been fine, you know, because, all right, it's acting as it was intended almost, you know, but when it can't act as cash and we can't move forward, uh, that to me is not a great thing that it's, you know, so uh, it's so immobile. Right. Yeah. Charlie Lee during that time, it's actually, it was a good, just, it was a good way to sell Litecoin when he described it. And that's what it really started to pump when he yeah. described Litecoin as being kind of the, the younger brother or like a race car. That's what, what is it called? Like when you're drafting, when you're uh, yeah. Yeah. When you're drafting behind, when Bitcoin. you're drafting, right. So, so Litecoin was basically drafting behind Bitcoin and then just waiting to, to come out and make the front. But <laughs> that is actually a really good point. I think it's valid. And I think Bitcoin is doing that for a lot of these other cryptocurrencies. And it's just getting its, you know, it's getting beat down. It's the front runner. But then, I, you know, because yeah, I, we, I, well, we could just sit behind, grow a little slower, have, have a little less attention out, uh, you know of everybody yeah. looking at it and be able to pivot and make these changes and grow as we need to grow. Sure. Uh, it's, it's a double-edged sword, you know? I mean, you're, you're missing out on network effect like Bitcoin has, but you're able to progress because you don't have that adoption. Um, I think, I, I mean, everyone, a lot of people don't understand, like it's still such a big race to cheap, fast, decentralized transactions, you know, like, that's not solved yet. Like no one does that well yet, and Lightning hopefully will. Um, but until yeah, nobody. No, we've had, we've talked about this before too. But like nobody's solved that yet. But it's not really that the market isn't really pulling that out. Like people aren't demanding cheap transactions. It's it's something that we think we need to get to because obviously it makes sense, right? It's going to be a it's right. Gonna, It'll drive it's, it's not like used there are customers that are dying to use crypto for cheap transactions it's not because they already have other other ways of doing it they have yeah, credit cards I mean, like, they have Venmo. right exactly like you know that's the whole bcash argument is you know and you'll see roger ver say this all the time i used bitcoin 15 times today how often did you use it uh never because i don't want to waste i don't want to lose any bitcoin we're watching it go up you know like it's funny how the majority of the community doesn't want to spend it. Even if it was cheap, most would just hold it anyway, you know? And so if I am going to spend anything, I'm getting rid of my worthless fiat. Exactly. Values, you know? And maybe if you're, is there a hundred percent Bitcoin cat? Well, is he a hundred percent crypto? He I might was, be. I mean, yeah, it's got to be. Or I mean, the guys, I'm, I'm assuming he's he's right. Didn't he have a hundred thousand Bitcoin or something? Well, because he got in so early. I, I just think like you know, it's interesting to me. He's not a gambling kind of guy. Like everyone props him up as the you know. Well, they used to say he was the Bitcoin Jesus because he was such an advocate for it. But I mean, look at him now. He literally tries to destroy Bitcoin and promote Bitcoin Cash in the same tweet every tweet, and yet he owns a lot of Bitcoin still. And he's like, like, who does that? Like, you're 100% Monero because you believe in the project. You know, I'm half Monero, half Bitcoin because I believe both have a role. I think Bitcoin will never be fungible. And I think, but I think it will be like the gold and Monero will be the day-to-day -day cash where people don't want to disclose how much money they have in their, you know, hot wallets. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a hundred percent Monero too because of the, the the philosophy behind it. I think it's like the true crypto. You right. Know? So you it's kind of like yeah, I'm believe I'm rooting for it. So exactly. even if it's like even if it won't grow as much as Bitcoin, but I don't see how it wouldn't because the market cap is smaller, and it definitely is going. It's definitely one of the coins that's here to stay. Oh yeah. It's well, Bitcoin. Like, so, I mean, Bitcoin, if I had a bet on one with, the, like, with the most certainty that will be here in the future, obviously that would be Bitcoin, right? Right. But when I really then, but when I really analyze it deeper, I see Monero as being the true crypto and it's the number two coin. I definitely see it as a top two Monero. Yeah. Um, and then, and then when I get to that point, I'm like, well, then why won't, why right, should it right, be right, number right. one? <laughs> it's only number one at that point because it's it's number two. It's doing everything Bitcoin's doing. Plus, it's fungible, so you might as well be number one. But that's like another. That's just an extreme view. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not too extreme once once you understand the technology. You know, why not Monero? If they can make if they can get Lightning Network up on Monero, then why would you use Bitcoin? Right. So let's say, let's say lightning. Well, lightning is live essentially today, right? I don't really. Yeah, it's on mainnet. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of bugs to be worked out, but people are using it. You know, so let's say like it was like kind of everywhere right now. And but so do you think everybody be zapping around lightning transactions? Um, well, listen, I mean, you still have the same issue where people aren't really looking to spend their digital gold. I think I think at the point lightning is actually so heavily adopted to where you have like three channels open and you could almost always find a route with someone without having to open a new channel. I think at that point where like years away and people are so confident Bitcoin's not a fly by night thing anymore that, yeah, I think people would be spending it because they'd have so much in it. You know, I think right, when the value is but you're like, let's say lightning was a hundred percent functional, like or routing was not adopted today, right? Like, you could go. You could go buy a Ferrari with it. You could go buy a latte with it. Starbucks accepts it. Everybody's accepting it. It's on the Lightning. Would you start beaming your Bitcoin around, um, or, or are you going to use your fiat? I'm well, saying today, given the price of Bitcoin and the whole deal. What? I mean, at at that point, I wouldn't have any fiat left. Um, no one's going to spend. What's that law? It's like Grisham's law. It's like no one spends the hard money. They give away. All right. So you're saying because because you would go all Bitcoin at that point. Yeah, I think you, like we've arrived. Right, right. So then you would just be spending out of pure necessity because you need to live. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, like what, what <laughs> we, they say, like, yeah, it breeds a saver's economy, Bitcoin. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't splurge unless, listen, if Bitcoin goes to a quarter mil a coin, um, I'm getting two Ferraris. Uh, I'm going to get a his and hers Ferrari collection and I'm going to crash the hers right <laughs> into a wall and give Chris the keys. <laughs> and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, fix it with all the Bitcoin you didn't buy. What I told uh, you, it's gonna be epic. That would be, that'd be a good video. That'd be savage. We probably actually get more than two views on that one. Oh yeah, that would definitely go viral. Oh no, we we, we have one viewer right now. Holy hell, that's got to be Vic. We have a viewer. Wow. Must be Satoshi. Oh, it's definitely Satoshi. He's like, who? Monero a top two? Only I know that. <laughs> Oh man. So I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think I think we covered it. I mean you have you know, it. governance, user base, nodes, developers, mining, both geographically and you know, pool wise. Um 
you know, I and and the anonymity aspect of, of censoring, you know, transactions. Yeah, the fact that decentralization, the whole security and decentralization thing becomes moot at some point if you're not fungible and censorship resistant in that manner. Because what's the point if if you have this super strong network, but people can still censor transactions? The other thought I too is like. Yes, Bitcoin has a lot more development and a lot more, you know, developers working on things. But this is back to the fact that, you know, the the, the one that's second in line. Yeah, the draft car relationship. Yeah, the dra- yeah, we could steal the tech. So we can't steal the tech as easy as Litecoin can because Litecoin is literally a carbon copy of Bitcoin. But some right. of the bigger breakthroughs, I mean, look at we're, we're the first ones that are implementing bulletproofs. And that right. was, I, was say. I mean, that's a testament to the dev team, you know, like they're taking it'd be one. thing. Those were Bitcoin. Those were Bitcoin cryptographers. Right? I mean, what's the guy's yeah, name? Maxwell. Uh, Greg Maxwell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he came up with the bulletproofs and and they were like, oh, the math works. This all checks out and they can code it for Monero. I mean, like. Their dev team is probably the second best dev team in crypto. Like, forget Dash, forget Ripple Scam, you know, forget Charlie Lee. You know, I don't see anybody pumping out, like, how many coins are on a different protocol to begin with? You know, like, you have, I think, Digibyte was was CryptoNote like Monero is. And then the rest are all forks off Bitcoin. Which is also why it makes the ultimate number two coin, right? Because right. it's kind of the Perfect ultimate hedge, hedge right? Because yep. if, if something fundamentally fails with Bitcoin's uh, protocol, the proof of work, whatever, you know, the, the, the algorithm, then you can turn to Monero. Great minds think alike, man. I totally agree. <laughs> why do you think I'm in there? <laughs> we need I, to get somebody that doesn't agree with us on the I show. I know. I know. Maybe the guy watching could, uh, you know, voice do we have a way for him to like type is there like a chat box he can hit i don't know i'm not that advanced i think there is a way on uh on youtube i'm just looking at the actual google chat though um yeah i wanted to talk about one other thing there was there is a q a yeah there is yeah we'll have to figure that out as we go wait there uh, there was a reddit post About was it the skin? Yeah, while you look that up, I'm gonna look at Monero real quick on the price. Oh yeah, throw the price up there. Um, you know, yeah, I'll I'll share this. Make sure. uh, I know what it is. I found it. I want to talk about. Yeah, the price. So yeah, is it? Uh, do you see it? Okay, close my. Uh, I don't see your screen share. Hold on. You know what I'll do? In t- let me see. It says I'm screen sharing, but it doesn't look like it. No, I don't see it. So I mean, really, I mean, I, I'm not going to get into. Um, the TA right now. Let's do entire screen. That should work. Whoa, boy. Nope. Just turn that off. 
Um, you know, listen, I'm not going to – I won't do the TA right now, but if anybody's – if you ever want to look, take the chart, look at the last, you know, year and a half, zoom all the way out, one-day candles, and even with these huge corrections, we are on a huge uptrend against Bitcoin. The fact that the whole market's tanking and we're at, you know, 1.8% uh, of a Bitcoin is – actually very high uh you know like i don't i don't know if you remember doug but you know when we first jumped into it uh you know like we were going back and forth up and down and this is basically where the ceiling was for us when we first got into it last year you yeah know, yeah yeah remember the eight, you're trying to break through 18 right yeah yeah and we, we hit 19 and then it went back to like 10. that's know? that's when we actually consulted tone bays remember i wanted to do that yeah, we got yeah. <laughs> remember that that was funny yeah um you know and, what a uh, waste of 0.1 bitcoin oh yeah dude that was a terrible yeah. no that was fun it was fun to talk to him it was cool but the uh, the thing is though like if you look at you know i wish i could do screen share right now let me see your entire screen share no it's destroying itself um let me see i've gotten so much value out of tone base as you know I, the fact is, I do. There listen we go. To do you see what I'm? Do you see what I'm looking at now? Yeah. You see this? So, so like, just looking. I'll, I'll use Polo. Uh, you know, zoomed out. Look at that uptrend. You know, like, look at this general uptrend we have against Bitcoin. Okay. And now, if we look at all these other, you know, pump and dump bullshit coins, like, let's look at Ethereum. All right, big pump settled around the middle like that is not a huge uptrend you know right right it's literally just chop forever Monero just slowly ripple. catching up yeah look at ripple massive pump full retrace massive pump to the same height and it will do a full retrace again that's your definition of a scam pump and dump coin but it has so much down pressure because you know like the ceo of ripple five years ago from the lawsuit is allowed to dump like a maximum amount of coins he's got and he's got like a billion coins to offload so right. he'll be he'll be dumping that for the next like three years so until they find a way to get someone to actually use ripple i mean it is it is settling higher than what it was pre but still it's not well, as significant but, but you know what though tell me at the next point it makes its rally because we're mm -hmm. going back to what i think will be where this reset like this right. started at you know like 500 600 satoshis and it went it, it ended up at 1200 satoshis i think we'll end up like honestly we're going to end up like right here like it doubled its its base this will double its base so you know we'll end up like we're going to end up like over here and how we're like, ready how about litecoin what's its oh, uh... yeah like litecoin's another one like oh yeah you know Wait, like huge humps yeah this is litecoin so like litecoin even right now litecoin looks like it, it, it's a terrible looking chart. Like TA would tell you, this is going to do nothing but bleed to death, especially with yeah. the cross on the averages. Um, but like, I mean, you got to remember the problem with Litecoin is look at how, like, look at its overall history. Like this, this is disgusting to look at. Like at one time it was, it was three and a half percent of a Bitcoin, you know, and then it bled out to, half of a percent of bitcoin and then it went back to three percent and that like this thing has been pumped and dumped so often that it's like after that two-year period of just death and destruction 
I don't see why this won't end up continuing to bleed out. You know, miners are just mining it because it's easier. The original altcoin. Yeah, it's just, I think it's more obvious to people that this is strictly a test bed for Bitcoin. And I don't think you'll see another big rally on Litecoin until Bitcoin gets blocked on, you know, its governance again. Like, uh, okay, no one could agree we should add uh, Schnorsigs or miners don't want to upgrade and add fungibility because people are saying it'll break, you know, AML and KYC laws. Like once we have some huge debate in Bitcoin again, like scalability was, then you'll see Litecoin shine because they'll take whatever the Bitcoin devs have built and just activate it on Litecoin and pump. Uh, until that happens, I don't see why anyone's going to buy it. So I'd stay away from that. But Monero, that uptrend. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the other part of the my basic investment thesis too. Like, so other than Monero potentially being the true crypto, if if it's going to survive, it's got to have to, it's going to have to be at least, you know, like 5% of Bitcoin's market cap or something, right? I mean, I can't imagine I it being like a 1% of Bitcoin's market cap and being in a coin and surviving. Yeah. It's the fungible version. Well, so you have you have two different key thoughts that, that battle each other on this. And I really wish regulation wasn't such a concern. So you have people concerned about regulation, what people, what you know, what governments might try to do with Monero, which, uh, you know, we spoke about last episode. But then you have... On the plus side with Tari and how basically that's going to be, it's, you know, they're not doing an ICO. They're launching a platform where I guess Tari tokens will be pegged one-to-one with Monero or whatever it might be, 10-to-1, but you need to own Monero to use Tari. Um, That to me is going to do what ICOs did for Ethereum, where we watched Ethereum go from, you know, $3.00 to $400 in three months, you know, or six months, because people were just out of their minds, dying to get into all these ICOs. So as as Tari gets launched, and and applications start being built on Tari, what I think is wild is you'll see even more flux on Monero, because people have to own Monero. And then you don't cash out of Monero to use a new token you're using the pegged Tari token. And so mm-hmm. that money doesn't leave the space. Like with Ethereum, you bought Ethereum, then you traded it f- for some bullshit coin you got scammed into. And then those companies sold Ethereum for cash and left the system. Here, you're mm-hmm. going to have companies raising Monero on their platform, but it's always going to be in Monero. They're not giving you some scam coin. You're using Monero to purchase you know, stuff on their platform directly. I think that's just going to drive the the demand for Monero up and the supply is not going to be reintroduced to the system. I think that would get really crazy. Yeah. I mean, so do you see it as essentially it's going to be ICOs that are going to be launched using Tari or you're just not talking about like these other types? No, of I think, I think, I think, yeah, I think what's going to happen is people will launch services kind of like how lightning is, is just layer two on Bitcoin. Tari is going to be layer two on Monero. And I think you're going to see services offered on Tari that obviously accept Monero mm-hmm. um, and, and not so much ICOs on Monero. You know, because like for an ICO, like you really need smart contracts, which Monero is not focusing on at all. And, that, you know, that just leads to blockchain bloat and stuff like that. At the end of the day, you're bypassing these get rich quick schemes and scam coins, which 
a year from now, everyone's going to know just ICOs are, are trash when they don't deliver on anything they've promised. So I think that model's gone. But when you have services in Monero, I think that'll drive the the the, the price way up, and the demand will the demand will skyrocket, and the supply will drop, and you'll have those crazy moonshots that we saw last year with all the cryptos. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, the the alts aren't going anywhere. Um. All right. Yeah, we should uh, we should cut it off, but we should definitely we're gonna have to get more and more into Tari. I think a lot of people are trying to figure out what exactly it is. I know it's like, I mean, Fluffy kind of explains it as being like, uh, what is it, color points? Yeah, you know, like that for for Monero. Um, so you could launch yeah, I, non-fungible assets. Let's uh, let's see how Dev goes. Like stocks and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we should definitely uh, investigate that further and try to uh, talk about that as we learn more about it. Definitely. See what we can find. See what we can scrape together. All right, man. All right. Punch when do you start showing your face? I got to get a cam and then I'll just wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll All right, talk to you later. Later.